What's up? Hey! Welcome back to the Blues Library Podcast, and happy fucking Valentine's Day! Woohoo! All right, I am Ashley, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lexi. Hello! That's that's who you can hear <laughs> saying all of the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> In case you didn't know. And let's get into this shit. Alrighty, spoiler warning, we are not spoiler free. We will ruin... Every book we talk about on here, because that's just how we are. So, <laughs> that being said, if you have not read the book we're talking about today, go ahead and exit out until you've read it. If you've not read any of the books at the end of it that we are currently reading, um, go ahead and skip out of that too, because we are known to spoil those as well. Yes. <laughs> if, we've both, if we've both read them. So, <laughs> now... The other thing is, trigger warning for this book, there is rape and abuse. It's not quite as heavily present as some of the other ones that we've had, but it is in there. So if that is something that will trigger you. It is discussed, not pictured. So if you have troubles with that, go ahead and exit. We will not hold it against you. We totally understand. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. The book we're talking about today, my one of my favorite books of all time and my favorite book boyfriend in the world, we are going to be covering The Deal, book one in the off-campus series by L. Kennedy. And I'm so fucking excited! <laughs> ah! Perfect for our Valentine's read. We chose this one specifically because love, love. Yeah. <laughs> all right, quick synopsis. I say quick. It's a relative term. Okay. <laughs> So, Garrett Graham is the son of a hockey legend, Phil Graham, and Garrett is a hockey star at Briar University, but he's in danger of failing his ethics class and not being eligible to play. So, Hannah Wells is a vocal performance major that studied her ass off to get an A on their midterm exam, and when Garrett sees Hannah's grade, he wants her to tutor him, but she turns him down. A lot. Like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and... Hannah has a crush on a football player named Justin, and he just transferred, but Justin really goes for the quote-unquote popular girls. Okay, we didn't like Justin anyways. I know. (laughs) Um, When Garrett learns this, he offers to boost Hannah's social status to get Justin to notice her if Hannah will tutor tutor Garrett. (laughs) Hannah agrees, Garrett realizes that he likes Hannah, and she realizes that she likes him as well. But it's after a lot of shit. So, <laughs> a lot, a lot of shit. Hannah was raped in high school, and after a court battle that was determined to not have enough evidence, Hannah and her family were made outcasts and social pariahs in their small town in Indiana. She doesn't go back for the holidays because the last time she did, her dad got arrested for assault. Instead, they meet up at their aunt and uncle's house where they spend the holidays there. Garrett's mom died when he was 11, and his father went from abusing his wife to abusing his son. When Garrett got big enough to fight back, his dad switched to verbal assault and lording the payment of Garrett's education over his head. Garrett helps Hannah learn to orgasm with the man as she has had troubles with that since her assault. And they get super duper close and exchange I love yous because they're adorable. So fucking adorable. (laughs) Garrett invites Hannah back to his father's house for Thanksgiving because his dad threatened him to be there so that he could meet his girlfriend, his dad's girlfriend. And they learned that his father is abusing his new girlfriend as well. At one of the next hockey games, Hannah shows up to support Garrett and she sees one of the friends of her rapist that lied under oath and said that she took drugs willingly and Garrett freaks out and punches the dude. As he should. Yes. He gets a one-game suspension after he gets Hannah's permission to share why he did it. Phil, Garrett's dad, approaches Hannah and says that he will not pay for Garrett's education if they continue to date because she's a distraction. So Hannah tells Garrett that she wants to break up so that she can find someone else better. Garrett's really sad, gets drunk, and then realizes that Hannah's lying. Because every smart. time, Yes. <laughs> every time he sees her, he asks how many dates she's been on, and she runs off. <laughs> After Christmas break, during which Garrett turns 21 on New Year's Day and has access to his trust fund from his grandparents, Hannah decides she needs to make good on what she said and tries to go on a date with other people so that Garrett doesn't catch on. All the males on campus treat her like she has the plague, and her friend Allie's boyfriend tells her that Garrett enacted a campus-wide hands-off rule for Hannah so that she can't date anyone else. So he knew the whole time she was fucking lying, and that just, oh my god, I love love it. it. 
So she confronts him about it. And he asks her why she broke up with him. She sticks to her story a couple times. And then when he asks again, she says, because your dad told me to. They leave the little locker room where she (laughs) approached him. And when they can talk about it, Garrett tells Hannah that if she would have just talked to him about it, he would have told her that he gets access to his trust fund at 21 and is giving his father all the money he spent on him back so that they don't have to break up. Because now his dad doesn't pay for shit. Hannah feels dumb, but it's okay, and they have sex and live smuttily ever after. The <laughs> end. Oh my god, I fucking love this book so much. Me too. So much. Absolutely one of my favorites. Go ahead and tell <laughs> us about your makeup look like. <laughs> so... Uh, one of my favorite things in this book is that two different times Garrett was describing how Hannah dresses, where it's typically like a baggier sweater and leggings or skinny jeans, but there's always something that's a pop of color because that's just who Hannah is and we love her for it. Um, there's two scenes in particular that I remember every time I think of this or of that particular thing, and it's him describing a pair of her socks that are red with white polka dots. I believe they're white anyways. If not, we're just going to ignore that fact and pretend they are. (laughs) And then the other one is at Dean's birthday party when she walks in and he realizes she's in all black and he's looking, he's specifically looking for the pop of color. And he sees that she's got a yellow hair clip holding her hair back and it has blue stars on it. So I did yellow and blue on one eye and then red with white polka dots on the other eye. And I'm very happy with it. I think it's cute. It does look cute. It screams Hannah to me. Other than the one eye that's yellow and blue. Yeah, it reminds me of flounder. I messed up on that one real bad. But (laughs) we're going with it. So you took more of the Hannah approach. I took more of the Garrett approach. So. Which is actually funny considering Garrett is the love of my life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My approach was hockey. It's a hockey romance. Whatever. So my one eye is like the Briar U hockey jersey colors, I think. So it's a deep black on the outer corner with a white cut crease, and it kind of fades out into gray where it's like the black is kind of buffed out. I also did a gray eyeliner. It looks really white, though, so do that what you will. It's super pretty, though. And then on my other eye, I did... The Boston Bruins colors, because my boyfriend is a Bruins fan, so I have a ton of Bruins shit around my house. But I did a black outer corner and a gold cut crease for the Bruins, and then I did a white liner on this eye. (sighs) It was rough. I'm not going to lie. It looks super good. It's just, it makes me laugh that, like, you went more the Garrett and hockey approach, whereas... Probably at least anybody who knows me would have thought I would have gone that. I mean, I have my hockey yep. necklace on though. <laughs> it's two hockey sticks crossed. So there's that. You know what? Rereading this, I loved, and it kind of, I mean, it kind of ties in with Garrett because, you know, he's the one looking for the pop of color. But still, I, I thought about my makeup look. I was like, I got to do it for Hannah. Yeah. I love Hannah. I love Hannah. I love Garrett, but ah. Uh, They're so cute together. Ah, it just gives me life. (laughs) Especially, too, in The Legacy, which you need to read, and I'm really mad that you haven't because I can't say anything about it now. Oh. Oh, my God. Especially in The Legacy. It's just fucking adorable. I love it. There's a part where I want to slap Garrett, but for the most part, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into these discussion questions. All right. Why do you think it's such a popular book? Uh, Because it's hockey and it's Garrett. You're trash. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a really popular book because... The characters are quirky as fuck, and I love it, okay? That's one of the reasons I love this book. And it deals with really intense discussions and helps with how people, like, how to talk about these intense discussions and realizing that, like, just because you these things happen to you doesn't mean that you're broken. I also think, too, I mean... I agree. I I stand by my first statement, but (laughs) I have more to add to it. (laughs) I feel like, like I've read some other romance books that just, it doesn't give like a full realistic picture of love and falling in love and realistic like issues that happen with Mm -hmm. anybody. But I feel like in this series as a whole, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can relate to and 
it's like, oh, that's that's very realistic. That's something that could like actually happen to just anybody. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I feel like it's a lot more relatable than some romance books that I do love, but it's just still like, oh, I can't really relate to that. Yeah. Um, I also think it's popular because nobody knows what the fuck smut means. So there's that discussion to be had. Because <laughs> everybody's like, God, this is so spicy. My guy, they have sex four times. And it's yeah. the same all four times. But you know what? I'm going to say this. I absolutely love it, though, because I know what happens in the book, but I forget, like, all the smaller details. And I went rereading it and seeing how, like, he put in a lot of effort to do research and figure out how to help her. That just, I was like, you know what? I'm not even mad that there's only four sex scenes. (laughs) This is perfect. I agree. And I think that's, like, one of the reasons why Garrett is so endearing to characters or to people. (laughs) (laughs) Was Garrett lovably persistent or stalkery? Why did his personality seem to change so fast once he got what he wanted? First, I thought it was a little bit stalkery, but stalkery in that he kept asking her over and over. But lovably persistent because he was like going after her and fighting for her if that makes sense so I think that's adorable I love the character that fights for what he wants as far as like why did his personality change once he got what he wanted one okay what he wanted was Hannah to tutor him not them to smash right I feel like that is like when you say like he got what he wanted or whatever it's usually about sex and in this case it's not which I think is cool Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as why his personality changed, I think it's because of Hannah. Like, Oh, 100%. Hannah is so genuinely herself and strong in who she is and whatever that he realizes he doesn't have to put on this front of the the cocky hockey player. That Mm -hmm. is such a weird phrase to say. But like (laughs) this cocky, full of himself, like jackass person. Like, no, he doesn't have to be that person because Hannah's not expecting it. Hannah just wants him to be him. Mm-hmm. I, okay, here's the problem. I, the second we met Garrett for the first time, I fell in love with him. I just loved him. And I, and that, which sounds kind of weird, but I was just like, no, this man, everything I want. So I, I thought it was cute. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was lover, lovably persistent. I never once was like, wow, he's kind of stalkerish. I was like, this is cute. Like he really wants her to like to tutor him and everything. He wants to do good. I thought it was cute. I think his personality changed the mass, like you said, because Hannah didn't expect him to be anybody but himself. But I also, I think as he got to know Hannah more and he got more comfortable too, it just, it was easier for him because, I mean, let's be realistic, everybody, okay, I mean, not everybody, but most people really only cared about him and wanted to be around him for his dad. And she didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I agree. So I think it was just, it was easier for him once he got to know her a little bit to be like, oh, she actually is here for me. And when she's around me and she's happy, she's happy because she's around me, not because she's around Phil Graham's son. Yeah. Speaking of Phil, was <laughs> Phil a good villain or not? Um, I hate I mean, the assholes. So. I know. I I wanted, what, what's her name that we just read the book about? Lana. Lana? Lana? How do you oh, say it? I said Lana. Lana, okay. I wanted Lana to come and work her magic on him from the Mindfuck series, okay? That's how I felt about Phil. Dude, he was a fucking jackass. Like, I was like, this dude is done. Like, fucking ridiculous. So, I mean, yes, I guess he was a good villain in the sense that any problem realistically in the book he created. And, see, and this is the hard part, because I have to be careful about what I say, because I want to go into detail about the legacy, but he does pop up again and has a little bit of a villain act in the legacy in Garrett and Hannah's part. So, I mean, I think he is a good villain. I just, I hated him, and I wanted him to die. And that's a sad thing, considering that this was not supposed to be a morbid book. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I think the problem is we both read the Mindfuck series earlier in the week before we read this. But the first time I read it, I was still like, can we just kill this motherfucker? Or like, can some tragic accident happen and he die and then we don't have to ever see him again? Please? 
<laughs> and then I thought it also brought up this whole like celebrity status of like you have no idea how these celebrities act behind those closed doors oh, with their mm-hmm. families. Yep. Like we put them on a pedestal and we have no idea what kind of person they are besides what they like the mask they show the media. Exactly. And that's that's the shitty part about the internet is I mean it's in general too is you don't really know anybody. The only person you fully truly know is yourself. Yeah. Because you don't know, like somebody could be having like a whole nother life that you don't you don't fucking know about. Yeah. Well, I fucking hated him. Okay, moving on before I go on a nasty rant going in detail about what should happen to Phil. <laughs> Thoughts about Hannah telling Garrett I'm broken and I wanted you to fix me. This broke my heart. Okay. Like I I'm getting chills right now talking and thinking about it. Because this is such a common thought in survivors of her rape. It's genuinely tragic. And I will always, always, I'm probably going to cry right now just like thinking about this. Because if you go through a tragic event such as rape, sexual abuse, all of these things, most of the time afterwards there are physical and mental problems that happen because this is not something you wanted. So her saying like, I'm broken and I want you to fix me to Garrett just broke my heart because I'm like, sis, you're not broken. Like, I promise you're not broken. Like maybe you're a little bit scarred. Maybe you're a little bit fractured in some places, but you're not broken. It breaks my heart because like, I'm like, I hate when people refer to themselves as being broken because I'm like, you're not broken because you're still here. Yeah. I don't know if I could talk about this one for very much longer. (laughs) Yeah. I've got to say, I didn't know that this was in this book. Trying to decide on how much I'm willing to share on the internet. Um, fuck it. I have been sexually assaulted and it is a hard thing. You do feel broken. So I did, I did kind of relate to Hannah in a lot of this and certain things. Um, luckily for me, for the most part, I'm able to kind of, cause I've worked really intensively with my therapist to control what triggers me and change my thought processes, but there's still things that trigger me and that just, it, it hurt because I felt it, <laughs> but it also, that conversation between Hannah and Garrett, it also, like, it broke my heart, but then it put my heart back together because of the lengths that Garrett went to to help her. No yeah. judgment, no making her feel like she's broken, just, uh, like, full of love, like, I'm here for you, whatever you need, let's do this, let's figure out mm-hmm. what we can do to help you. And he never once made her feel like she was broken. I absolutely agree. And like, I feel like that's another thing that endears Garrett to people so much is because he did not have to go to these lengths. He did not have to do research about how to help someone who's been through these things. And I feel like that's what makes him so endearing to a lot of people, because unfortunately, this is the reality for a lot of women. Yep. And displaying a partner that doesn't think less of you in the, because of these things and that they are willing to work through this with you and help you in a way that helps you and is only about you is just incredibly powerful. I can say from personal experience, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. that And that like who you have around you to help you is just it. It changes your healing process. And I mean, I'll say just the way Garrett was with her about it. Like, I had already loved Garrett. And I'm, you know, second we met him, I already loved him. But that just, that shot him up to the top of my favorite book boyfriend list. Mm -hmm. And nothing, I don't think anything will ever top that because of that. Yeah, And because I I, I felt... It, it resonated with me a lot. And that's where it was like, that's one of the reasons why Garrett is my absolute favorite. Yeah, I agree. Thousand percent. Why didn't Garrett believe the reasons Hannah gave him for her breakup? Because he's not stupid. I know. And like, <laughs> she didn't try very hard. She went from all lovey-dovey to avoiding him. And then all of a sudden this, and then like, he, he knew better. He knew her. He knew that that's not what she wanted. Let's be honest. He's not stupid. (laughs) Exactly. And then, like, the fact that he's like, 
in my mind, we didn't break up. Oh, that was the cutest thing ever. I was like, because in her mind, you didn't break up either. Yes. <laughs> you both are referring to each other as boyfriend and girlfriend, not my ex-boyfriend, my ex-girlfriend. Exactly. I thought that was so cute. Reading that again for the first time after seeing that video on New Year's, oh. I was just like, oh my God. I needed that. That was so cute. When I got to that part, I think I read it like three or four times before I moved on. I was like, oh, so cute. It is so cute. <laughs> Just everything about Hannah and Garrett is cute. It makes my heart happy. Oh, yeah. Did you enjoy the scene at the end of the book when she goes into the locker room searching for Garrett and says, I've stumbled onto a penis convention? <laughs> Let me tell you, that was one of my favorite scenes, and I highlighted it in my book. I'm going to read it word for word for that scene, okay? Please. Let me get to my notes. My favorite, I highlighted the part where it says, penis. We're going to start a couple, a little bit ahead of that. I reach the locker room door as one of the players walks out of it. Is Garrett in there, I bark? He looks startled to see me. Yeah, but I bulldoze past him and grab the door handle. (laughs) The guy protests from behind. I don't think you should go in the... She has a habit of going places where people are trying to tell her not to go in. She really does. (laughs) All right. I burst into the locker room and... Penises! Sweet Jesus! Penises everywhere! Horror slams into me as I register what I'm seeing. Oh god, I've stumbled onto a penis convention. Big penises and small penises and fat penises and penis-shaped penises. It doesn't matter which direction I move my head because everywhere I look I see penises. My mortified gasp draws the attention of every penis or guy in the room. In a heartbeat, towels snap up and hands cover junk and bodies shuffle around while I stand in the front of the room, blushing like a tomato. Wellesie, a bare-chested Logan, grins at me. One shoulder propped up against his locker. It looks like he's trying very hard not to laugh. Penis, Logan, I blurt out. Hi, I do my best to avoid making official contact with the half-naked men milling in the room, all of whom are either grinning in amusement or blanching in alarm. I'm looking for Garrett. (laughs) Dean appears and I see his penis. So you that gotta is... read the part about coach, what the coach says. Oh, okay, I will. I'll pull it back up. Oh my god. Because that cracks me up. <laughs> what the hell is going on in here? Hannah jumps in surprise when Coach Jensen appears in the shower area. Oh, hey coach, I call out not what it looks like. His dark brows knit in the or in a displeased frown. It looks like you're taking a shower in front of your girlfriend in my locker room. Okay, then yeah, it's what it looks like, but I promise it's all very PG. Well, except for the fact that I'm naked, but don't worry, no kinky shit is going to happen. I grin at him. I'm trying to win her back. Coach's mouth opens, then closes, and opens again. I can't tell if he's amused or pissed or ready to wash his hands of the whole thing. Finally, he nods and opts for option three. Carry on. Coach shakes his head to himself as he ambles off, and I turn back to Hannah in time to see her trying to sneak away. <laughs> he's just like, uh, carry on, and just walks away. That whole scene, but then also finding out why he sounded so amused every time he asked Hannah how many dates she's been on. And she goes, oh, tons. (laughs) (laughs) Or she runs away because he fucking knew. Exactly. Oh, my God. Garrett cracks me up. That part was one of my favorite scenes. Like, I have a couple of favorite scenes, but that was one of my favorite scenes. (laughs) I agree. Because it was just so Hannah. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) <laughs> or the part where she like she I, was it that she saw his penis or she felt it and she's like that's not gonna fit <laughs> yes oh my god and then she calls it her lady canal <laughs> what did he call it your man monster <laughs> not yes. gonna my lady canal and oh my god um, there's one point that they're on the phone and like he says something and he's like I have something for you or like blah 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 like something and he goes it's my penis, by the way. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Everything about their interactions I fucking love. I know, they're so great. Oh. What did you think <laughs> of the way that issues, rape, and abuse were handled in the book? You know, I've seen a couple of different things on this. I've seen some people say that they don't think that it was dealt with in a way that made it seem serious or feel serious. 
However, I feel like everybody has their own way to deal with things and they dealt with it in the way that worked for them. And I liked how Al Kennedy wasn't afraid to bring those into it and show the healing and showing that they can still be loved afterwards. And like through it and everything. And it doesn't break you. So I feel like it was handled in a very good way. And that's all I'm going to say before I start crying. Yes. (laughs) Because it's going to bring back memories for me. So since you kind of tackled like the way that the rape is handled, I thought that the way that the abuse was handled was handled very well. Because it's still obviously something that Garrett has not dealt with for a few years, but it is something that he still struggles with. It's something that he can't even be in his his father's house. He can't go up to his bedroom. When he's in the house, he's having flashbacks to all of the times that his dad hit him in this particular room or in this room. And I think that especially leaving the house when he can't talk about it, like he's like, I just need silence. And Hannah doesn't try to fill the converse like fill it with words Mm -hmm. I think that I feel like it's handled in a way that is true to the characters because yes it is something really hard to go through from Garrett's perspective and it's something that you carry through your whole life and I think that's also true for Hannah it's something that you carry and the fact that they're able to relate and understand that you don't need to talk about it to realize that like this is something that's happened Mm mm-hmm I feel like that's really important. Like every conversation we have isn't it about this bad thing that happened, but it still happened. Right. I also liked, though, that they weren't necessarily afraid to talk about it either. With I agree. The other one. But I also feel like so part of that relationship that I was in where I went through my shit that was also very abusive. So I feel like with Cindy and Phil, Elle Kennedy really showed how it works, especially when there's a lot of manipulation in play. They isolate you. They start to do these little things that control you until you get to a point where you're terrified of of making them upset. So you're going to do everything you can to please them. And you're constantly thinking, did I hurt them? And then when... Garrett approaches Cindy in the kitchen and he steps towards her and she flinches like that's a very real thing because Mm -hmm. he she's like oh my god what did I do to upset him because Mm -hmm. she's been conditioned to think that any time that she upsets somebody she's gonna get hit and so I liked that she portrayed it in a real way and how it really happens and this it because it happens that way in an awful lot of like an awful lot of cases where you get isolated from everybody that you care about you get put in this situation and I haven't seen that a lot when I've read books that do contain abuse or even rape and so that's something that I I liked seeing that it was a a true depiction of what happens. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on before we yeah. both have breakdowns. Okay, from this. this is a little bit more of like a content discussion point, but there are a couple of times when L. Kennedy breaks the quote unquote rules of romance. So Hannah walks in on him having sex with another person. Hannah kisses Garrett and Dean within a few minutes, and only boys are referred to as sluts in this book. There's only one time that a female is referred to as a slut, and that is when the jackass from high school that lied about Hannah calls her a slut, and Garrett ends up punching him after he says it. So, I absolutely adore this, and sometimes I don't like it, but I loved that it broke those, like, in a romance book, they're only, like, only the sex scenes that happen are between the two characters that we want together, and... That's the only thing that ends up happening. But this kind of broke that. And it was kind of like, a, oh, it's like, how serious is this? Like, It was done in a way that made it very tasteful. I agree. It wasn't done in a trashy, shitty way. And that's a hard uh, line to uh-huh. like, straddle. Yeah, but I, I liked how it was done. But I also, I, I have one thing that I do want to say, because I've seen a lot on social media with people bashing on L. Kennedy because it was for Dean's book where in the beginning of Dean's book there's two girls and it was like oh well the women are only there to pleasure Dean well you've got to keep in mind that's how Dean's character is in the beginning I mean you can even see it throughout this book Dean's 
I mean, and let's you be have realistic. sex in every room by his bedroom. <clears throat> they're all fuckboys. That's how they are, but they're also not afraid to admit it. Yes. Keep that in mind, because I'm sure we're probably going to finish this series. So for anybody who may not like L. Kennedy, go ahead and just skip these. I disagree with L. Kennedy making women just an object for men, just when you really read into it. But that's one thing where it's like, I liked that it wasn't that, oh, the women are sluts because they sleep around. Yeah. Like, yes, he did. Like, Garrett did mention something about puck bunnies. But even with that, he still didn't bash on them for wanting to have sex. It was they only want to have sex with the hockey players to brag to their friends. That was the only bad part about being a puck bunny. I agree. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. Just my two cents on that. And that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to fight with anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Thoughts on Logan. Oh my God. I love him. He's so fucking funny. I love him. He's great. He's so fucking hilarious. And then all of the things where um, he shortens it and everybody's (laughs) like, what the fuck are you trying to say? I know. And my favorite was when he's like, oh, I thought you got, I thought you were going to be like VBF or whatever. And it's like very busy fucking. And then like later Garrett walks by his room and he's like, I could hear noises. So I'm assuming he's VBF. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Oh, Logan is just, uh, he's the comedic relief that we all needed. (laughs) I agree. And I will say, I love Dean. Like, Dean as a character, as like a fuckboy character, I think he's so funny. He serves I, his purpose, I think. I'll be honest, I think at the when I first read it, I was not fully sold on Dean. But once I got to Dean's book, I was like, all right, he's not that bad. He's pretty great. I do love Dean. Tucker, I'm just going to say, and this has everything to do with the fact that I finished the series, Tucker is the most underrated character. When we get to his book, I will explain why, but I feel like Tucker doesn't get enough love. I feel, and I feel like that's because of his love interest, but... Fair, and I'm I'm not going to lie. At the very beginning, I could not stand his love interest. I absolutely hated her, but we got about, I think, 50% of the way through, and I started kind of coming around. I was like, okay, she's not that bad. She's just, it's just who she is. She's very high strung. She's, you know, that's just who she is. But once you kind of are like, okay, and you learn about her background and what she went through it's like okay you know you can't really blame her yeah I think I need to say something first so when I read this series I read the Briar U series before I read the off-campus series so at the beginning of Briar U it goes it has like this little mini recap of all of these guys because Dean is or Summer is Dean's little sister So I kind of went into these knowing like what was going to happen. And like, obviously it's a romance. You kind of know what's going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. But like you get kind of introduced to Dean in Summer's book and he kind of plays like a a role in that. Mm -hmm. So I already kind of knew like a lot more about Dean's personality going into these. And so I feel like I liked him a lot more than if I would have just read these first. I mean, I let's be honest. I loved all of the guys. There were just some things where I was like, really, Dean? Really? Yeah, like the whole having sex everywhere but his bedroom. I was like, my guy. Doesn't he explain why, though, in his book? I can't fully remember. Yes, I think he does. But, like... As I a- mean, it's still shitty, but I'm also kind of like, okay, I kind of get it. What's your favorite part of the book? Where they're... Um, Hannah's working, and she's got Allie, the one that starts with a D. Dexter. Dexter. I think it's just Allie and Dexter there. And then Garrett and Logan. Uh And they're at the diner and she's talking about, it was right after Cass kicked her off of the duet. And Dexter's like, someone needs to give that boy a good ass kick in. Dex glances at Logan and me. Can't one of you hockey players do it? Rough him up a bit? Gladly, Logan says cheerfully. What's his address? I jab my friend in the side. We're not beating anybody up, jackass. Not unless you want to face coach's wrath and a suspension. I turned to Hannah with a rueful look. Don't worry, I'm beating him up in my head, baby. That counts, right? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, any part with Garrett and Hannah together where they just, their banter. Yes. Yeah, one of my other favorites was them watching Breaking Bad. Yes, I was going to say that. One of my favorites is when she says, you invoked a campus-wide hands-off law. Are you kidding me? 
And like my romantic heart is, oh, I love this so much. Right? Oh, at the beginning too, the first where they're studying and she's in a pissy mood and he's like, all right, just tell me what happened. And he went and grabbed Tuck's guitar and she's singing for him. And he's like, I just need to hear you sing again. I was like, oh, oh, my heart. I thought that was adorable. I do have to make one of, tell one of my quotes that will forever stick with me. And it's a little bit sad. So okay, I'm ready. So she says, do you realize how many abusers are walking around unpunished? How many rape charges are dropped because of insufficient evidence? Or how many date rapists get away with what they've done because the victim is too scared to tell anyone? It took me four years to tell anybody. And the statute Almost. of limitation is five. Uh-huh. So, like, it's... I was too scared. For sure a thing. And it's a sad thing because it's not only just being scared of the abuser, but there's also this, like, within Hannah's Hannah's case where it was, like, it was ruled that there wasn't enough evidence. Yeah, so it's determined that, like, <clears throat> it might have happened, but sorry. It's a terrifying thing because then you're sitting there and you're going, well, there's been times where somebody has said, oh, this person has raped me or whatever. And everybody's like, oh, you're lying. He wouldn't do that. That's not going to happen. Victim shaming. Yeah. That's a terrifying thing. And it's a real thing in the minds of yeah, survivors went, from that. I went through it and it it was terrifying. And when I finally told the first person that I told, I felt relief a little bit because I was trying to just forget about it and, you know, block it out. Oh, this never happened. That didn't work. Then, and this is where, you know, finding people to that, that are in your corner is yep, very, very important. I'm going to take a second away from talking about this book just because if this can help somebody, then I'm willing to talk about it. Finding somebody who's in your corner is very important. I was dating somebody at the time and I, you know, I finally reached a moment where I just I I couldn't and the trauma and the PTSD that I was going through that was awful was really 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 um a big thing that caused some problems not all of the problems but some of the problems in my relationship that caused fights and everything and because of part of my PTSD those fights made me feel like I wasn't safe when the fighting started so that didn't work so I closed it off again then I told one of my cousins and we cried. We cried together. It was Ashley's sister. I opened up to her about it. We were on our way back from the airport and I opened up to her. And then my dad, I believe it was that night, found out. And that was, I think, the hardest person for me to know that found out. Just having people that you can trust is a big thing and not victim shaming if you know somebody who's been through it. But then on top of that, don't make them feel like a victim. Yeah. Because that's so much worse. Oh, yeah. And being able to just be there and not treat them like they're different. Because that was something I didn't want people to look at me like I was a victim. I wanted, like, I struggle with it now. And it's less about my issues because with my therapy, we've been able to shift the way I felt about myself and everything because there was a lot of embarrassment and I felt like some of it was my fault. And that's how a lot of people do feel. And we were able to basically the way my therapist described it to me was rewire my thinking. And it was it's a lot. It was hard. It was exhausting. Um, and it's more so for me now about the anger that comes with and the sadness that comes with knowing that this is happening to other people. And the thing I will say that has helped me personally is knowing that it was me rather than somebody who might not have been able to make it through it. So that's one thing where I just wanted to put that in here. Don't victim shame. Don't make them feel like they're broken, that there's something wrong with them. Treat them the way you would have treated them before you knew. Exactly. Find your tribe. If you need a tribe, we are here for you and we'll support you 1000% of the time. Absolutely. You can um, message, message us on any social media. Absolutely. We will talk with you about anything you need to talk about. Exactly. All right. Let's watch <laughs> from this. I got heavy. Okay. It is a heavy discussion, but I'm glad we had it. Okay. I felt like I needed to get that out. A thousand I percent. I felt like if I could have helped somebody, then that was worth it for me to make Talk myself about. vulnerable on the internet. So. Yeah. <laughs> Very <right>. terrifying, but. <laughs> Whew, okay. All right. Let's move on to current reads so we can not. Fine. Okay. <laughs> this week, I finished Dirty Letters by Vicky Lind and Penelope Ward. It was mad cute. I was really anxious about how it was going to end, but it ended very well. Um, Super cute. Great read. Totally for it. 
it's like sexting, but like not. So I was for it. Um, I finished the Zodiac Academy book six, Faded Throne by Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti. This book gave me so much fucking anxiety. Okay. So I already have anxiety and reading this, I was so anxious that stuff was going to play out very negatively. And so like, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So for my mental health and well-being, I have decided to put this series on hold and I will read book seven when I'm feeling up to it. I also, this is such a switch. I read the Mindfuck <laughs> series by S.T. Abby. Such um, a good series. It's such a good series. Um, We both read it. It is about a female serial killer and she meets a FBI profiler and they kind of form a relationship. They don't realize who each other is at first. And then they find out she is doing like this revenge killing for all this stuff that happened to her and her family in the past. And it is 1000% deserved. And everyone oh. in this town can go fuck themselves with a rusty spoon. Um, the fact that everybody in the town knew and they let everybody go before uh-huh. they started their shit, I was like, I wouldn't have even done that. I'm sorry, but everybody in that town had a part to play. Exactly. And it showed an immense... Okay, no, we can't talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. These books are very, very short. They're 100-page books. There are five of them, <laughs> and they are so interesting. Dude, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that they were that short. Yeah. They are. I didn't so, even like, look at the page, the pages when I started reading it. And I was like, how did I get through this? Like in two days. Yeah. yeah. They're hundred page books. There's five of them. It's very, very quick because it's so good. Um, it, I will say, please read the triggers on this because yeah. it can be very heavy because there is flashbacks and descriptions and it's very rough. Had you not warned me, I would have gone into that and I would have because I was already not in a good space mentally, I would have, it would have been game over for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for that series. So, so, triggers, especially starting on book three, but it's kind of discussed a little bit, vaguely mentioned in books one and two. So, triggers, read your triggers. God, please read this. I gave three out of the five books a five out of five. Okay, read them. So um, good. All right, then moving on from my murderous phase. <laughs> I went to Secrets We Hunt by Dana Isley. This is book two of the One Night series. Book one is Games We Play. And it's real good. Book one, super great. Book one's probably my favorite. Um, that being said, mad sexy. Okay. Read it for the smut. <laughs> it's like a not even 100 pages. They're really short. But it's mad smutty. So, like, definitely great. <laughs> like palate cleanser book um also no I'm not gonna say that because I'm gonna make myself uncomfortable okay my current reads <laughs> now I want to know so he dominates like their first time she dominates the second time and it's um there is male penetration <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say and lots of times I ain't into it but goddamn shit was hot okay <laughs> moving on I'm currently reading Electric Idol by Katie Robert. I am about halfway done with it, uh, planning on finishing it probably tonight or tomorrow. Also reading Hooked, book one of the Never After series by Emily McIntyre. God, it is so good. It, no pun intended. It has me hooked. Um, <laughs> it, uh, so it's like a Peter Pan-ish retelling. Hook is like a mob boss kind of but he's not the boss he's like under the boss but he's the one that everybody's actually scared of he just doesn't like he has respect for the guy that's above him so that's why he hasn't like gotten rid of him yet yep (laughs) yeah wendy is this daughter of a like airport executive never air lands or something like that oh never lands so like n-e-v-a-i-r land um yeah it's a weird name I didn't come up with it um but they're together I'm like 25% of the way through that one um he wants to kill her dad 
and uh, he's real hot. We love a good mur- er, murder. Uh, yeah, bro. <laughs> Morally <laughs> black characters. <laughs> um, okay, and then the last book that I'm currently reading is The High Mountain Court by A.K. Mulford. Um, I am 30% of the way done with that one. I have heard it's very Akatar-esque. And it's actually really cool. We've got some witches. We've got some fae. Um, so do you like it? Because I wanted to read this. Um, and I just, I've I've been a little nervous. Yes. So I um, like it because I can see where people get Akatar because fae courts Akatar, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's cool because it's like a twist on that. Because, I mean, you've kind of got like the throne of glass missing air kind of thing and there is something going on with this female main character about who she is and I just need to know who she is so like <laughs> also the sexual tension is there it's really good okay. I like it a lot I'll have to read it um but those are my current reads what about you Lexi so I finished the Ravenhood series um I have a very strong love-hate relationship with it <laughs> um I ranted a little bit last week about it or uh, the last episode because, you know, we had technical difficulties, so our posting schedule was a little <laughs> off. <laughs> um, taking out the first book and looking at it as if it was just starting from those two characters, it was okay. Didn't hate it. Um, as a whole series, hmm, I don't know. I, I'm, I told Ash this earlier. I feel as though, for me, reading it, it felt like the two characters, their relationship was mostly just lust and not a lot of love. It didn't feel like there was a deeper connection up until the very end. But that, for me, kind of felt like it came out of nowhere almost. But, you know, I I, I would recommend it. It wasn't that it was horrible. I just am mad about my poor, my poor Dom. Anyways, moving on before I cry. <laughs> Um, I read Bad Boys Break Hearts by Michaela Smeltzer. I hope I said that right. Um, I liked it. It was good. I needed a good little bad boy story. Read Anti-Stepbrother by I'm not sure. I'm just going to spell it because if I say this wrong, I'm going to feel stupid. T-I-J-A-N. Uh, this one was good. I liked this one. Um, this one was about um, this girl, her mother dies, the nurse that's taking care of her mom, um, and her dad end up falling in love. She's got a son who happens to be the main character's crush from high school. Um, he ends up going away for college. He comes back for her graduation. They, you know, uh, get it on a little bit. He leaves. He's a piece of shit about it. A little it. bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just the tip. Well, so they did that. He left. He just up and left, right? No explanation. She's still madly in love with him, blah, blah, blah. Well, he, she goes to the same college. She finds out that he or his frat, um, frat house, whatever, one of the dudes, she ends up spending some time with them. It was really good. He hates the, bro- or the stepbrother. Overall, I liked it. Mindfuck series by S.T. Abby. So oh, fucking good. Love it. Just read it. That's all I've got to say. You won't regret it. Fucking loved it. I had to skip over some scenes personally just because of some of the triggers. But even with that, you kind of get a sense for what's going on um, from earlier in the series. And I personally didn't need the details. So yeah. Um, then I started last night a book called I Need You to Hate Me. I'm going to butcher this. So I'm going to spell it all as, or as well by G... E-N-I-C-I-O-U-S. Um, it was good. I It caught my eye the first page. I found out that that book took place in Idaho, which I thought was cool. Notebooks take place in Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. <laughs> what else can I say? So I was excited. Um, this book, I, I don't know how I feel about it. There were some parts that made me feel like I was back in high school reading Wattpad where... The editing was very minimal, but then there were also parts where it was very detailed, very well written. It wasn't horrible, but I'm not going to say it was my favorite book either. It's a good book. It's a good read. Um, I'm currently 
almost finished with the second one, which is I Need You to Love Me. This one is takes place four years later in New York. What I can yeah. say about this series, so this girl's you lost mom. Your Idaho. I know. So this girl, she um her mom died in a car accident. She blames herself because she made her mom turn around and go back so she could get her journal that she had left at a party. And so they were in a car accident that really I mean, her mom served out of the way of the car so the other car didn't hit them. Her mom died. Um, Ace comes along. I don't know. You know what? Spoiler alerts from this point forward. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out Ace is the one that was in the car driving drunk. His dad just left. His best friend handed him the car keys. All the shit. Uh, The end of book one, she ends up finding out. She leaves him. Book four starts. They're both in New York. Imagine that. This week, I'm going to read for sure. I might, I'll probably add more books to this, but I found a college hockey romance series. I'm excited. It's called Campus Kings by Jillian Quinn. I'm excited. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to probably start book one tonight because I'll finish this one here soon. So that'll be fun. I'm excited. Let you know next week how that all goes. Then I'm going to read the Forever series by Trinity Lem. I've seen this one on Book Talk a little bit. I was going to read this one. I was kind of going through that bad boy stage because I'm not going to read high school ones because that makes me feel weird. Uh, yeah. I went for the college ones. <laughs> so um, that one's supposed to be very good. I'm excited. And then uh, there's also Still Beating by Jennifer Hartman. Can't tell you what it's about. The cover looked interesting. So, <laughs> why is that me though? It's hands tied together with rope, and I was like, "This sounds interesting. Let's read it." And it was in my okay. recommended on Kindle, so I was like, "Cool, let's go for it." Not me, literally adding this to my cart right the fuck now. Neither of us know what it's about. <laughs> oh my god! Hold on. See. I'm for it. I'm for it. Add to list. Okay. Oh, I lied. It's chains, not a rope. It's chains. Bro, I'm down for. Okay, no, I'm not gonna say that on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's, a, <laughs> it's a dark. <laughs> it's a dark romance novel. Okay. Dark romance is the vibe at the moment. All I've got to say, I was reading on my Kindle, um, the Mindfuck series, and I have it set to where it'll show the book cover. When I lock it or turn it off or put it to sleep or whatever the hell it's called. It's brand new. I still don't know everything about it. Um, <laughs> and during the Mindfuck series, the one where she's like in the lingerie sitting on him, I had to figure out how to take it into work without having the cover. <laughs> so, and then on top of that, I'm at home and I set it down. I didn't realize until later I came back. My dad was already down in the kitchen walking around near it that it was up fa- or facing up. Right, uh, right there on the kitchen counter for my entire family to see. I was like, oh, I'm never going to live this down. <laughs> so there's that. I feel. All right. If you guys want to hit us up on our social media, we got TikTok. It's at uh, blues.library. Instagram, blues.library. And blues.library podcast. Please feel free to chat with us if you want to talk about literally anything. We would love to talk with you. Our next book is... Lawless by T.M. Frazier. And you guys have a great Valentine's Day. Use protection and see you next week. (laughs) Bye.